Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. Today we are interviewing the ultra running guys on the podcast, which is kind of weird for me because they are the first people who actually interviewed me or gave me any recognition whatsoever uh, in the ultra running world. So here, Jeremy and Jeff, and we are going to get going. Uh, I had a question prepped to start with, but in our pre-interview conversation, you mentioned something called a Mona fart lick in your ra- in your race prep today. What what is that? <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking to me. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, Jeff. I'm absolutely you. <laughs> this is Jeff. Yeah. So um, I did have a Mona fart lick this morning. Um, my running coach is. Um, this guy, Al, it's an online coach I've worked with. I've been working with him for a while. He's fantastic. And um, so we did the Mona Fartlick this morning, which is a basically I had a 20 minute warm up run and then a fartlick. But he pre prescribes the um, intervals. And so we did that for about 20 rounds of different lengths and paces and stuff. And then we ended with a cool down. That sounds, rounds? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a rough lot. day, man. Like, where, does the, where does the Mona come in? Well, by the halfway point, you're pretty moaning. That was about. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it. it's a moaning. No, it's Mona. Like the Mona like Lisa. The Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's like a classic. It's a classic fartlek workout. Uh, okay. Right. For those real runners out there, they'll know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, okay. Jerry, right. do you know what the Mona Lisa is? I have no idea. <laughs> like I said, it sounds like a girl I don't want to date. Does this? Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Being that you're married. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Uh, restart. <laughs> When's he going to cut all this out? <laughs> oh, whatever you tell me to. So first off, I would actually like to know about your just show up mantra. And I've been preaching a similar message for a long time. Like before I was working with runners and athletes, like even when I was working more in fat loss, but I just loved the phrasing and like, how did that, how'd that start? How'd you all end up with just show up? You remember the story? I don't. I remember. Of course you do. You're younger. <laughs> so this is Jeremy. <laughs> Um, yeah, younger. I've got several years uh, of memory left still <laughs> compared to Jeff. But um, no, actually, so we met uh, through a men's small group. We started a body transformation challenge. We started working out together in the gym. And at the time, I had been in the gym pretty regularly. And I said, hey, who wants to do this? Suggested yes. So fast forward, um, people got to know us. And there's, I can't remember if it was a conversation or somebody mm-hmm. saying, I'm not sure I could do that, whatever. But, but bottom line, Jeff said, hey, my only goal is to show up in the morning. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about results. I'm not going to worry about this. And I remember it hit me so hard. It was like, oh, gosh, what a good goal. Because sometimes when we wrap ourselves up with results, right, and you wake up and you're not feeling whatever, it's easy to go, well, I can still get the results if I do it tomorrow instead or if I do something else or maybe the results too far out. But so that is really what, where it stuck to me that, hey, the the only goal was to just show up. And I think that led to conversations that turned into what it is now, you know, for the ultra running guys, which is just, just do it. Sometimes yeah. it's not a matter of, you don't have to have the perfect run, but put the shoes on it and show up. And if you show up day after day, you're going to get, you know, the results or the progress. I do remember the story now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's true. I mean, obviously you can look at the two of us. Um, Jeremy's a much more physical specimen than I am. He worked out a heck of a lot more than I did. Jeremy's but, much more physical specimen than many people. Right. <laughs> you know, I wear like full garb during the summer and he's out there without a shirt intentionally. So 
But beside the point, no, we would go to the gym, like you said. And for me, it's just one of those things is that it, instead of being intimidated by a workout and doing that type of thing, it was important just for me personally to re really just go to the gym and show up and be present and not know what to expect, knowing it's going to suck sometimes. And we actually, um, I remember I paced you in the, um, I think it was the last man standing, the first one that you did for Southern Tour. Um, you had been injured and stuff. And so we were out there on the course and we started talking about that within the context even of ultra running. And it was one of the ways I was trying to encourage him. I said, look, you, this is something that you and I worked through early on when I was trying to go to the gym. I said, and, and you're in a moment now where you are in a lot of pain. And this is something that maybe just this one time, this one lap, we're just going to show up for this lap. And, and if we get back, we get done. Cool. But for each time we decide to set out, we'll set out to just show up on that particular lap. And so we began to kind of evolve into ultra running as well. And I think it's just a, a philosophy that has kind of shown up in our relationship with each other in different ways. Um, and it's really something that we have kind of gravitated to when we try to encourage other people, because we think a lot of people are scared to death to do things like an ultra or to try it and to go out there or to put themselves in a situation that may really be difficult and they may suffer at it. And we just want them to, to show up for it and not worry about the outcome, but to worry about the process and to engage the process itself. I, I love that. I mean, do y'all know who Jordan Syed is by any chance? Do not. How do you spell the last he, name? S-Y-A-T-T. -T. He's a fitness trainer and he, you have no reason to know who he is, but he is, uh, he was Gary Vee's coach for a long oh. time, for a few years. And as a result, he's like really famous <laughs> as, as you would be when you're training someone that big. And he puts out this post like every few months um, on Instagram and all of his channels that just says, don't quit. The only way you can lose this game is to quit. It doesn't matter. Like even if you eat 3000 calories one day, like it doesn't matter. Just don't quit. And it, your stuff kind of reminded me a lot of that and it just aligned really well. So I like that. I was curious. Yeah. And, and on the podcast, we see the recurring theme, right? I mean, it, it's said different ways you can, you know, one mile at a time, it's just consistency. It's all these different things. And so I think they all mean the the exact, it's the exact same message, which is just take the next step, do whatever's next. Don't worry about looking at the peak of the mountain, but, you know, keep the movement forward. And man, when you get people that are just consistent, like it's ridiculous what can happen over a short period of time. Oh, it's nuts, man. Like the amount of progress you can make. I mean, y'all mentioned you met together in a like men's group and started working out. What I know you've told the story before, but I don't remember it super well. And I bet a lot of people haven't heard it because people don't listen to past episodes of podcasts. Like, how do you all get started with running in the first place? Not ultras, just like putting one foot in front of each other running. It's only his fault. Always my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how you want to answer that. Oh, <laughs> you, So I think the big thing is it, Jeff had had some, some prior running. Like you had dabbled in it. Right. Um, but I'll say it this way. The Spartan races became kind of the gateway in terms of some of the ultra stuff, but even at the time, that's awesome. Um, so for me, I like the, uh, the obstacle pieces of Spartan, because like I said, I was in the gym, I sucked at running. I would dominate yeah. a wall and then some, you know, cross country dude would come prancing by me, tell me I did a great job. Yeah. I'm doing one of those in like three weeks. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to suck. But oh, I, yeah, I've done, I did a Tough Mudder years ago. It's the only thing I've really done in the race world. And it was, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah. They're so fun though. I oh, mean, yeah. our, we really did. Enjoy it, them. it was good. Yeah. <clears throat> but for me, it kind of sparked the, like, I would like to be a better runner, but I still don't like running. 
but then uh, you decided you're going to run the marathon that year. Yeah. So I did Spartans for a few years with him and I wasn't a runner, even though I just got credit for it. Um, And (laughs) I stopped doing Spartans and decided to take up running because the last Spartan race I did, I don't know if it was a beast or whatever it was, but I did. um, So Spartan races, you do 30 burpees for every obstacle you fail. Um, I failed nine um, that particular race and did, did 270 burpees. And so my story into running was because I hated burpees and decided I'm no longer going to do this crap. Um, oh God. I'm surprised you still have shoulders. Jesus. Okay. I really don't. You can see they're kind of yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, but because of that, I, I moved into running. Cause I was like, I, I don't enjoy this. Like who wants to go pay that kind of money just to sit in a mud pit and do burpees the entire time. I mean, he got to do obstacles. I get to lay on the ground and do burpees. And so I would, um, I, I loved running and I didn't know I liked running. And so I tried it and just got into it a little bit at a time. And I did my first marathon at, I think I was third, maybe 40. I started running when I was 39. Shit. Um, 2015 um, was my first marathon. Yeah. And December, a, 2015. And so just from a accountability standpoint, I said, well, Hey, I, I'm not gonna run the marathon, but I'll do the plan with you. And so he sent me his plan. We'd go run the same runs. And it's one of those things, you know, you kind of trick yourself into, uh, and I vividly remember, and I've told the story several times, but it was the 12 mile run. And I was scared to death. I was like, how am I going to go run 12 miles? <laughs> and so I started off so slow <laughs> that all of a sudden like mile three ticked by. And I was like thinking about random stuff, right? Like, did I change the laundry or whatever? And I was like, oh my God, I'm three miles in <laughs> and I'm not, you know, the only thoughts in my head are not like, how is this not over? How am I going to do this for the next whatever? And I realized like, oh, this is what people talk about. This is what easier running feels like. And I think, you know, we come from the kind of past of no pain, no gain. And for me, running was always about calorie burn. And even when we were doing Spartan stuff, it was really about performance and that. So that was the first time that I remember going, oh, like here's the other side. And then from that point, it just really escalated. So that's how it all started. Jeez, that all actually sounds pretty familiar to me as someone who's still pretty new to it. Yeah, that tracks my story pretty well. Um, If you're, what got you kept going though? Because I mean, this is kind of a crazy sport. Like running that far for that long is an absolutely nutty thing to do. And like everybody seems to recognize that. And that's one of the things that drew me to all of you. Um, but more important, like what keeps you doing it? Why, why run a hundred miles? Like all of these things that y'all seem to love to do. Do you want me to go or you want to go? Oh. So uh, you get the answer too. So for me, I think it would be that, um, you know, as we said in the beginning, uh, when we first started working out together, I, it wasn't something I was comfortable with. I have never been an athlete. I never worked out. I didn't participate in sports in school. I was your classic, um, nerd growing up, I'd be definitely considered that all all of my life. And I I do tend to get credit for being smart, which is cool, but not credit for being athletic. And so um, when I started getting to running, yeah, I did the first marathon. And for me, I couldn't believe I did it. I literally could not believe I completed the marathon. And I did my first ultra, I think um, that next month, it was because I did it. Yeah, I did the January Southern Tour 50k. Um, and every time I'd go out there it was because I didn't think I could do it. Um, like I really didn't think I could complete any of them and I absolutely love it. Um, and I love signing up for, for anything that's hundred miles now or 50 mile or 50 K because I still to part of me doesn't believe I can actually do it. Um, which is weird because I have, and I've completed a few of them, but 
I think it gives me a respect for the sport in, in a lot of ways. Like I respect a single mile because I know a single mile could be hard for a lot of people. It's hard for me yeah. some days as well. And I just, I, I don't want to lose sight of the fact I never thought I could do it. Um, and so, I, and it goes to the idea that we just keep showing up or, and, and trying and doing the best we can. I yeah. really, yeah, I relate to a lot of that, Jeff. That hit me kind of hard. That was really great. Yeah, I think more people need to hear that. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, for me, it really was that I thought it, I literally thought it was impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I had a conversation with somebody where they talked about somebody running 100 miles. Mm-hmm. And I literally told them, like, you said it wrong. You know, you said you said 100 miles. And, and I Googled. I was like, people can't run 100 miles. So I started looking into it, right? <laughs> Um, which once we got into that stuff and I actually found out that I like running and ultimately for me born to run, which I'm sure a lot of the audience is familiar with. If you're not go, go check it out. Um, it sounds like a science book about running, but it's not a boring, it's an incredible story. Um, and there's storytelling, but with science, but for me, it changed everything that I looked, uh, how I looked at running. Right. And Mm -hmm. so ultimately I came to the conclusion that I believe that the human body is made for it. And so if the human body is made for it, why do I struggle to run three miles? <laughs> you know, um, why, why do I hate it that much? And so it really just challenged. And, and, and so I'll be honest, this is what we love about the podcast and about talking to people. And it's the reason we put on the races that we do is to encourage people to get curious and find that because once that world is opened up to you and you realize that, you know, like I believe we can all run a hundred miles, like, sure, you got to put some time and some effort and some things into it. But I think a lot of people like myself really think there's no way I could ever. And if you, if your reality gets changed to you, like, no, we are, we were built for it. The human body is the most efficient endurance machine on the planet. You know, barring any other animal, we can outrun anything essentially. Um, And that at first I was like, well, you're crazy. you, You can't outrun an animal, but um, so for me that challenged it. And then, you know, I like the challenge. I think another side of it, and we see a theme, um, I tend to have somewhat of an addictive personality. So it's a great outlet, you know, for me to point that out. Um, and those things just kind of went together. So that's, you know, and then it's fun to just try new things. Yeah. That's I, mean, awesome. I think it's, I think it's true. I think we both fundamentally agree, believe rather that people, anybody can do it. Yeah. Anybody can do what we're doing. We don't think it's that miraculous. We think it just takes some time and effort but that anyone can literally run hundred miles. And the other piece is, you know, that I think that there are a lot of misconceptions. People, when they hear that, they think the 5k or the one, yeah, the one mile PE run for hundred miles. Right. And they're like, yeah, I could never. <laughs> Me when neither. You, when you, when you <laughs> yeah. start, nope. <laughs> when you recognize the fact that you can literally almost walk the whole thing mm-hmm. and come in within time, it starts changing the way you think. And, and so, you know, if there's anybody that's ever thought, Oh, I can't do it. And we've said this to people before, go volunteer, go find a race, volunteer, see it. And uh, you will see people of all walks of life, all shapes and sizes and start to recognize. And, and we talked about it before, it's fun to trick people to get to an ultra event because when you see somebody that looks like you or looks like your neighbor or looks like average, <laughs> right. That is doing these ultra endurance events, then it, the light bulb goes off. Well, Hey, they don't look superhuman. Like what's keeping me from seeing what I'm capable of. They all think that when they see me, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I give off the misconception though. Right. 
like I don't look like Jeremy. Like I may look like Jeff, and yeah, he can do that. That man looks like he's about to fall freaking apart. Uh, I mean, it's so true though. Like what does that mean? Few I've interviewed, not that. <laughs> few I've like inter- or, uh, volunteered at the. There's all these people just crushing it, and they look like the people I train in the gym who are struggling to pick up 20 pounds, right? And like it just means you can get there. It doesn't take you know that much. Well, we just had Jeff and Katie Wilson on the show and they do like walk runs. They're, they're incredible. Um, and so I recommend that people check out the episode, but Jeff said something he talked about when he <laughs> would show up to races, he said his first ultra, you know, and he's sizing people up and like, I'll beat that guy and I'll beat her. And he's like, they all smoked me, you know, <laughs> and I will never forget our, my first ultra. Then it was your second, I guess the JFK 50. <laughs> and I came off the, there's like 15 miles or so of the Appalachian trail. And then it's like flat, right? So I come off the Appalachian trail and there's this lady, she's probably like five, six, and I'm guessing probably 25 pounds overweight ish. Right. And this sounds bad, right? This is really shallow. And I thought, and my thought was, my thought was, wow, she's doing really good. Like good for her. She took off and I never saw her again. She smoked you like a joint. Rushed me, and I remember thinking, like, okay, yeah, don't you, assume you cannot judge a book mm-hmm. by its cover. There are people out here doing unbelievable things. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it was a good. So it, was a, it was a good lesson. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's reality, though. So, oh, it's nuts. I mean, seeing some of the time, like you know, I coach people, so like I see the times for like when we're we're chatting in pre conversations or whatever, and the, the amount of time that some people run marathons, it's like how. Are you serious? Like this is an insane thing to me. Like I can't even fathom. Um, have y'all done like marathons, halves, the shorter races, any of that stuff that wasn't Spartan? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I guess a, you said you did a marathon, but beyond that. Yeah. So when I first started running, uh, I, I don't know if I did. I started running a, when I was 39. I don't. I think that was before we did any Spartans together as well, a little bit because I was doing some 5Ks and some 10Ks and stuff. Because um, like I said, my um, first marathon was in 2015. Yeah. December 2015. And so I was 39, which is 2012, roughly. So when I started, it's so about three years. I did 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons and stuff and um, and just continued to work my way up. Again, when I did my first 5K, I couldn't believe it at a 5K. So it was yeah. just what's next type of thing. I get that. Did you find that the trail seems to be easier on you than the road? Because like the road, I don't have great knees, right? From all the sports I've played in the past, like the road wrecks me. I don't know. And yet trails seem to be, even with the incline, much more friendly. Is that a thing you experience? You're me. I, I mean, I'll go if you want. I love trails. I hate, but I hate running on them because of snakes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The the snakes here at least like warn you. The ones where y'all are not not the best. They don't warn you. No, no that copperhead's not great. Right. What about you? Well, I think you're asking though if it's harder on the body. I I don't necessarily, I do think that I get stronger and, you know, I think the trails are better overall for the body for sure. Um, I've run, I don't know, a handful of marathons, but I've raced two. Mm. And the fir- when I did the first one, I said, I don't like, I literally, I crossed the finish line. I said, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> um which i've said with ultras but it's a little bit different right <laughs> with ultras i said it like the last 20 miles you know with, with uh that it was i mean it was miserable right it's just a different kind of pain yeah um and the second one was better because i hit my goal and That's you good. know i was better trained so i didn't redline 
for I didn't hit that wall that it, that we all talk about. But um, I think I mean both of us run mainly on the roads for training just because we don't have a whole lot of trails around here and the ones that we do open up after daylight we tend to run really early um so i prefer the trails i do think they're better on the body i think that they're better for longevity but uh yeah i'd agree so so far the the roads are treating me okay although i say that i've got lower back pain so (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm just uh ignoring uh uh, we all got our aches. That's what it is. So you mentioned hitting the wall. What do you, this is theoretically a training podcast. Like what do y'all do for hydration, nutrition, all that stuff so that you don't bonk or hit the wall? Want me to go? You can go first this time. Yeah. I firmly <laughs> believe that not hitting the wall is a factor of uh, aerobic conditioning. Um, and so you can do everything you can on race day, but if you don't have an aerobic base, then you're, you're going to burn through glycogen as fast as possible. And it's going to be with something like a marathon, right? For an ultra, it tends to not be as high intense. And so it's, it's probably easier. Uh, I don't think I've ever hit the same kind of wall. I've had highs and lows, but I haven't hit the like, oh my God, my legs don't work. Right. Um, and I used to also just, you know, I think we talked about this when you're on the show, I used to kind of operate under because I do a lot of training either fasted or kind of lower carb. Um, but then I learned pretty quickly that I perform much better, obviously with, you know, carbs in my system and that uh, fat's not a great race day source. So between working on aerobic conditioning and then trying to keep, uh, you know, a constant flow of, I like liquid calories a whole lot, um, especially for higher intensity stuff because it's, you know, just quicker than that. And so that was, I think the main difference to my first marathon. It's like, I just didn't have the aerobic base yeah. and, uh, that was it, man. I ran out of fuel, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of inevitable unless you, yeah, have the base, have the, have it there. Like we've all hit it at some point or another. It sucks. It just sucks a lot. Uh, yeah. I would say <clears throat> my take is maybe is similar, a little different as well. Um, I do think it's definitely related to an aerobic base or the depletion of your glycogen stores. Same, same idea. I think, um, I, you know, I will do everything I can to eat as much as possible, which is why I love ultras because you can eat as much crap as you want along the way. But it is, I think the way I look at the wall now is, um, it's normal it is a low that happens and it has become one of those things that I kind of expect. And so I'm no longer surprised by it. I think you may hit it in a marathon differently because you um, aren't used to that feeling. But one of the things that I've learned just by doing the ultras I've done is that I can get, when I get to that wall point of mile 16 to 24, which is where the wall starts hitting a lot of people the first time um, I'm used to that feeling. And so when people start resonating that all over their faces and all over their bodies, it's a, it's a recognizable level of feeling that I'm not surprised by it. And so because I don't get mentally like sideways with it, I know what I need to do and how to kind of work through it um, and how to get out of it to where I don't get shocked by it and think I'm done um, like I used to. And so, so I think the wall is, it's, it's going to happen. We call them highs and lows and ultras differently than a wall. Otherwise we would say you have multiple walls. It would be the same concept to some degree. Right. But um if, if you have that wall in a marathon, if you're training, if you're running a marathon, you hit the perceived wall that you're talking about, you would do the exact same thing in an ultra when you have that low to get through that low. But in a marathon, we don't feel like we can do that because we're in this time race where we're trying to push it so hard in an ultra, most people can sit back for a minute and engage that a little bit differently. 
um, unless they're pushed by a self-perceived goal that they have to meet. Um, and then they're battling a different demon than the wall itself. I do think there's a slight difference though. I think in a, in a marathon, it's a scientific glycogen depletion mm -hmm. wall and like, you know, you, you literally just ran out where, uh, at least the way I've experienced it in ultra there's fatigue there, but it's different than that. Like, okay, literally all I can do is burn fat at the moment because mm -hmm. my body doesn't have the energy. It's, it is a lot more of a, a mental, even if the, the energy has gone. And so uh, I, I agree with it, but at the same time, like I see them as I know if, if I have intensity up for that high, mm -hmm. if I don't have, and when I say the aerobic condition base, I mean, bottom line, my two marathons, right? My first one, I actually, I ran this, essentially the same pace for both, but in the first one, my heart rate and everything had to be higher. And I was, you know, just burning at a higher rate. And eventually I ran out where the second one, I was able to just keep us a uh, constant steady. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is for the first one, I did all the speed work and I did all that. And the second one, I jumped in three days before I didn't even know it was coming, but I had been running high volume mm -hmm. aerobic running and it was enough to get me, yeah. you know, through. Um, but I agree from, a, and the only reason I say from a different standpoint, because like the ultra stuff, it is, I think mindset, I think from, if I were to do it again, a marathon and, and it hits me, it'd be like, like scientifically, the only thing I can do right now is slow down and put right. carbs in my body. Right. Um, and maybe you're right. Cause, cause you're trying to do that higher intensity versus mm -hmm. to me, it's the intensity factor. Yeah. And so you hit it differently. Yeah, but... it is. It is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much of it. It's a mental game though. Like no marathon, you're not running most marathons like over overnight through two to four in the morning. And that's well, yeah. what do you, what do you, I get this question a lot and I've done a lot of mental training in my past, but nothing like I've never run a hundred miler. What advice do you have for people about like getting through that mental wall? And just like being able to do that. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like anything else. I think it's, uh, I think it's experience. I think it's yeah. do hard things and you hear it all the time. Right. And it's part of the, just show up. It's the, when you don't want to run at four 30 in the morning, you put your shoes on, you make a habit of doing that. Cold yeah. showers can be, I mean, you hear people talk about all these things. They, how do I make myself uncomfortable daily? It's the same concept. Yeah. It just lasts longer, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I also think it's the reason that a lot of, uh, you know, people that have had mental health struggles or have dealt with addiction or have dealt with pain, very painful, traumatic lives tend to do better at those things because they have a history of being able to, they, they flex that muscle, mm. you know? And so we talked about this recently too, same thing of, a lot of people are scared to try an ultra because they think of it as pass fail. Do I have what it takes? Do I not have what it takes? Um, and Mike Wardian, who was a recent guest of ours, just said, I'm not afraid to be embarrassed. I'm not afraid to go out and be bad at something because that's how I learn. And I think that's a big lesson that, yeah, you may not make it your first time, but when you go back the second time, you'll have that to pull from, you know, to, to try it. But that's my answer. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I agree with all that. Um, I think there's some things you can do in your training to, to, prepare. I think experience is your greatest ally. Um, however, 
I also um, <clears throat> would, I, re I return the question to people when they ask me about it. Often they're like, well, I, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I'm, what do you have to do to get mentally strong enough to do that? And I'm like, well, what, what's your fear? Like, what's your concern? And they're like, well, it's going to hurt. I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to hurt. Like, I'm not going to pretend it's not. It's going to suck. It's going to be things that you've never imagined about yourself. And you're going to say all kinds of things to yourself and to the people that you supposedly love in that moment that are around <laughs> you. Like, you're just going to say a lot of stuff and do a lot of things. But if you already know that, then why in the world do you get surprised by it? And, and that's what happens is we get out there and we start doing an ultra and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this sucks. We're like, how did this suck? Like, maybe how? Like you knew it was going to when you signed up for it. That's the point. And so because we get surprised by the suffering, right? We get surprised by the fact it's painful or that it's difficult or that maybe it's happening a little bit sooner than we thought it should happen because of all our hard training that we've done. It's going to happen. And if it's going to happen, then if you don't act surprised and you acknowledge the fact it's going to happen, then what you do is you already come up with a game plan of what you're going to do when it does get bad. And a lot of people don't think that because they're like, well, I've done all the training and I'm going to just power through and I know I can power through. Great. I hope you do. And I'm not saying you can't because I think everybody can. But when when they say, like, when you get punched in the face, what are you going to do about it? Like at some point, you've got to you've got to understand it's going to hurt and you've already have the fear that it's going to hurt like you already know that so just accept it and come up with what you're going to do when it does get painful to, to follow that up uh i talked about the aha moments one of them and i've said this before was when i realized that elite runners have the same lows mm -hmm. and i was like oh well if they suffer then like it's not weird if i suffer but two um to bring it back yeah. from a tactical thing and we learned this you know hillary allen we've heard it echoed throughout but if you find yourself in that position, really the key is to try not to wrestle with, can I do this? Can I continue? But turn it into, it's a, it's simply problem solving. Mm -hmm. Any of that stuff, just like anything hard in life is problem solving. So if you can get out of the questioning, I don't know if I can do this and think, okay, what do I need to do in this moment? Do I need to eat? Do I need to work on blisters? Do I need to do whatever it is to keep moving forward? And I think that's from a tactical perspective, mm -hmm. like just, turn to problem solving, get out of the, can I, can I not, you know, kind of discussion. Cause that's always, we'll never win that. <laughs> I mean, we like, we both have still, like we both DNF before. Yep. It's not like it's, yep. we haven't ever done it. Um, it's, but when you do, and if it does happen to you, it's the being okay with the fact you failed being okay that you didn't finish and understanding what it, not understanding, but taking that as an opportunity to learn from it. You know, what did you learn about what went wrong about yourself and about what you could do differently? And if you can constructively um, evaluate a DNF or something like that, you know, if it doesn't go well for you, then the next time you set yourself up for success. Yeah. What's that? that? That's great. Um, sorry, this just got like more philosophical than I had expected. <laughs> and I, I shouldn't be all that surprised because of who, who's on this call, but still, um, so when you're in training and like training sometimes sucks too, right? Like we can be honest with that. So like, what have you found that seems to work really well for recovery? Cause this actually seems to be super individual. Like we can talk about training theory and everything all day long, but for recovery, I, I don't know, man, what have, you, what have you all found that seems to really help? I'm horrible at recovery. Yeah, me too. This um, is actually partially selfish. No, it's okay. And I think it's a question that we ask on our podcast a lot too. Um, it's probably my fault. I'm always saying, hey, we should ask about recovery because I'm on this personal exploration of trying to understand it. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know what it really is supposed to be for myself. Um, I'm still learning. I, I consider that an area that I am not good at. Um, but I have learned, I keep saying I've learned, um, 
I am learning that my recovery is less about the time between my workouts and actually the way I'm running in them. And so one of the things I'm, let me try to explain when I'm working with my coach now, Great. Um, he is helping me to understand that you can have super slow runs and that is a recovery run. Like that is actually what we mean by recovery. And, and so I should be able to run 10 miles at a slow pace, a low, low heart rate, low effort, low, whatever explanation you want to call it, but a low effort run. And after 10 miles, I feel like I could have kept going. And you know what? It's okay that I stopped at 10 miles today. Like it is an allowing recovery to be not necessarily a day off or this mobility or these other things, but understanding that the effort level in the workouts themselves are dictated, uh, are dictating my body's recovery between them as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The first thing that came to mind was be super intentional about the workout itself. Mm -hmm. Most of us tend to, you know, you always hear run your fast runs too slow, run your slow runs too fast. Right. So, and that comes back to the aerobic conditioning. So I've found, uh, I've had major gains when I've actually slowed down, done some of the heart rate training, different things, and really focused on building aerobic base. Cause okay. per your point, you can get down and feel like you can keep going. And so obviously your body is going to heal up a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. It also allows when it is time to push it up, you know, you, you don't have that breakdown that's already there and you're able to get out and really provide the stimulus. The other piece for me, and I've done a lot of kind of exploration and things and, and it's funny because I listened to, um, you know, the show when you were on just as part of this prep um, and we talked about it a little bit. And one of the things that I strongly believe, and so a lot to me, recovery is actually about mindset. Um, I strongly believe that in a stressed state, we will mm. not recover. And so the, you know, the kind of way I was told it is uh, my body is either protecting itself. So I eat stressed or it's repairing itself. And so even if I'm not running, if I'm taking a day off, but I'm worried about bills and family and this and that, and all these things, then I'm not allowing my body. I'm keeping in a stressful state. So the 10, the things that I tend to move towards for recovery are things like meditation, breath work, um, actually getting in the cold, like for, uh, for a long time, I was going to get in the pool and because not only does it have the cold, the stimulus of the cold, but it really forces for me, breath work and almost a meditative state to kind of get used yeah. to it. Um, and so those are the things that I've really gravitated towards more probably from a stress reduction so that my body can do what it needs to do with things like mobility and that. So I think that's a great point. Makes I, mean, a ton of sense. I think the stress reduction is a really good point because you think about your relaxed low heart rate runs or low effort runs. Yep. It's a relaxed run. I think it's a great point you made. Yeah, that's great. Um, and we see that physically too, like I've taken enough courses and you need to be in some, some thing resembling a parasympathetic state to recover. So right. yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Um, Jeff, this is one just for you and kind of selfish. I heard you say you have rain odds <laughs> um, <laughs> and I also struggle with something kind of like that. And what have you found that like doesn't make your fingers and toes fall off when you're trying to run in the winter? anything like <laughs> i've asked this question and people are like buy better socks i was like i don't it doesn't so buying better socks does not help me um yeah, yes me I, do neither. Have, I, do, I do have rain odds um i, I get it still do people, uh, so for people that are listening that may not know oh so that's a good um, point well, you must fair. be a podcast host <laughs> <laughs> so rain odds is basically a, a syndrome or i don't want to call it disease but it's a um, diagnosis for for those of us who deal with um 
it's a vascular issue that we mm -hmm. our blood supply to our digits, our extremities, like our fingers, or our toes, primarily they don't get enough blood flow when we get cold yep. um, because the blood gets drawn away from them. And so what happens is those fingertips or toes will turn turn solid white and white as a piece of paper, not like pale or not purple, but literally white with absolutely no, nothing in it. And you should Google it if you want to. Anybody look up Raynaud's. It is a fascinating thing. When and I it, say your it fingers, can be, it can be phased a little bit. So like mine's actually not quite that severe, thankfully. Like yours is well, more severe than mine, but like it's still like I still can't run it cold. It's yeah. miserable. So, <laughs> yeah. And so um and so what happens though and it, it doesn't mean it's not all your fingers. It can be like one finger or it can be one toe. And so I'll have occasionally like one toe will be solid white and you'll I'll look down I'm like that's fascinating today. <laughs> Um, but, and, and I have found that it is because the body gets shocked and temperature changes quickly. In other words, and so like here, if we have a temperature change of about 20 degrees quickly, um, where we have a, you know, a warm day and then that night it got really, really cold. Um, and it can be 60 degrees. And for some reason, my body starts freezing. Well, what I've learned is that the solution isn't about putting more gloves on and more, you know, more socks on or anything like that. It's actually about the core um, and keeping your, your torso as warm as possible because re, re, what's happening to your body is that your blood is leaving your, your fingertips and your toes because your core is getting cold. If your core is getting cold, then your organs start to shut down. And so your body's protective measure is to pull it back. And people with Raynaud's, um, our bodies really panic when they feel like the organs are like they're getting a little chilly. And so um, everything starts pulling away. And so the solution to it is to actually warm your core as much as possible. So I have gotten to where I can wear um, shorts and stuff in the wintertime. I don't worry about my legs or, or anything. As long as I have like a thermal shirt or um, like a compression type thing underneath a, a t-shirt, as long as my core is warm to start, I'm okay. Once I get going, I, I tend to be okay. Um, if the temperature drops because I start getting slower, then I have to change clothes and get out the sweat and put some dry clothes on to keep my core warm. And so um, I've done races that I go overnight and the temperatures go obviously colder at night. Um, the focus that I have with my crew is to make sure that I am changing clothes um, anytime as the temperatures drop to be in dry clothes and keeping the core warm and let, it doesn't matter if I have a short sleeve shirt on or shorts, it's literally that. Um, I'll still wear gloves and hand warmers and things like that just to kind of help it. But um, if I don't do that, then it hurts. Um, I actually have pain and a lot of chronic um, aches all over when it starts to happen, if I can't get ahead of it. So I try to stay ahead of it. You've, you've done, you've adapted a lot. I have, I have I've adapted a lot to it, I've, but I've learned that one piece is to pay attention to it quick. If I allow it to get, if I allow myself to get behind um, and not pay attention to how, I'm, how, what the weather's going to be for that period of time, or whatever it is, then um, it can be an issue. That is really helpful. Like yeah. I, I have, uh, it actually tracks with some of my experience, keeping the core warm, like mm -hmm. seem to have less issues. And I don't think I've ever actually made that connection till right now. So thank you. Um, oh, and practice. And yeah. what, to Jeremy's point uh, is, I, is I have now intentionally gone out though in shorts okay. and not try to wear like full, like winter garb ev everywhere. It's like, if it's cold, it's cold. I'm just going to do my core and just allow the body to be, uh, to acclimate to it. And so, so he's right. I, I have worked on that as well to where I can just keep it into a, a an area because um, otherwise you get too freaking hot. Yeah. It makes sense. Cause I seem to be able to wear shorts all the time, but I can't like, I need to wear a jacket a lot of the time for other people. So yeah, that, that all tracks really well. So thank you. All right. So I'm getting towards the end here. I, I don't know if you've seen me mention this, but I've, I've signed up for an ultra. 
as you asked me nice. like seven months ago. Uh, the one I was originally going to do, one was like now, <laughs> and I would not have been ready. And two, uh, it's not happening this year. So I signed up for a dead horse, the Dead Horse 50 in November. I'm going to be doing 50 miler. And it is a combination of like your fault and Justin Hamilton's fault. <laughs> I went out for a run listening to that interview with him. And he said something to the effect of like, just sign up for it, man. Like, just do it. So I came home. I had a free 50 mile registration and because I volunteered for Mad Moose and I just signed up for the race. So what strategy and tips do you like have for this craziness? Like, I know, I know the training and the nutrition thing. Like, what's the weird stuff that I'm not going to know to think about before I get out there other than like, it's going to suck and deal with it. You're talking about between now, the answer between now and then is just show up. Yeah. I think he's described the race. I don't know what the course is like at all. <laughs> right. Oh, it's um, uh, 4,000 feet uh, rise and gain over 50 miles. Like it's actually pretty flat. I, it's, it should be all right. <laughs> it, it's half of Bumstead, which is 8,000 8, at 100 miles. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Actually sounds about similar. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually nice. Is it rolling terrain or is it... Um, like a couple major climbs it's pretty rolling like it, it has like i think a climb or something but it's, it's fairly rolling i mean i made this choice on the run where i did 14 miles with the exact same elevation gain and loss and uh like well if i can do this one i can i can deal with the elevation over this thing so yeah that's kind of what it, what it looks like yeah, I mean, the thing is, you already know all the answers, right? Like, you've been around this enough. Like you said, you know, in terms of, of people listening, I think the big thing is between now and then, you just have to, you know, focus on consistency, focus on the discipline, focus on showing up, um, because that's what's going to make it less painful. Well, how about this? It'll be the same painful with better results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's hard. And then uh, like anything else, it's just a matter of, and this is exactly what we do our podcast for, right? Is to talk through these, learn from people, you know, all kinds of great people, sure. um, listen to those things and like just, and then don't be surprised when it sucks. Um, you know, a ton about nutrition. I know you'll be practicing the stuff. I mean, that's really it, right? Dry run it, um, practice for the race, but ultimately, man, You'll be ready if you just between now and then do what you got to do. Sweet. So my, my thought is um, <clears throat> I'm assuming you're going to know everything about the course and I'm going to assume that you're going to have a time goal for the race that you're going to start visualizing what time you're going to be at aid station one, two, four, five, all the different numbers. And you're going to know every breakdown of what your splits need to be to make your cutoffs. And you're going to have an A goal, B goal, C goal, all the way up to something else. Is that about right? You know me well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just about everybody who's going to listen to this podcast is going to do that. What I would recommend you do is truthfully identify what is the most important thing to you about the race. And I don't mean a why, I mean on your goals. And so if if your goal is a time goal of, I don't know, 12 hours, I'll pick a number for 50 miles, like I say it's 12. Um, and that's your A goal. Um, <clears throat> and your C goal is to finish. I will ask you what's most important to you. Right now? Yes. Yeah, finish without getting injured is actually my big thing. Okay. So when you start doing all your paces, that's cool and everything. And then when you start getting behind on your potential paces, is that going to upset you? Yeah, probably. Right. And you need to not worry about that because if your goal is to finish, 
then you shouldn't worry about those paces to get there. You just need to get to each actual aid station before the cutoff. Um, and so a lot of people, particularly in their first ones, they're going to lay out all these different goals and they're going to race the clock. And as soon as it gets challenging, they start thinking, I've, it's already gotten bad, it's gotten hard, and I feel like I'm not going to make the next cutoff because it's getting hard now. I can't imagine how hard it's going to be the next time. If you allow this truth to actually hit your brain here, understand it's not going to get worse. Like it's really not going to, you're going to reach a point that it's going to suck, but it's not going to continue to get that exponentially harder. It will, it will get slightly harder, but you're going to reach a threshold that you just will say, okay, I'm hurting, but it's not hurting any more than it was an hour ago. Like it's the same thing. And so, so don't worry so much about the A goal, B goal and C goals. You can have them. I think it's great to have them, but celebrate if you get the C goal, like celebrate like crazy because you finished. Um, and that's a win and it's a win that you're out there. Yeah. And, and again, from a tactical standpoint, I mean, you said you listened to the Wilson's, you know, I would say practice walking, practice hiking, practice some of that stuff, because you're going to, especially if there's elevation. And a lot of times I think people think that they're going to go out and just run the whole thing. And when it doesn't happen, like you said, you could be having a great race, but you feel like you're falling apart, you know? So I, I walked the heck out of some hills. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to run the whole thing. And that's, yeah, that's great. And, but, <laughs> but I've said the same thing in the past, but I still tried to run the first 30 miles. Right. I think we all fall into that right. trap. Right. <laughs> and so the thing is, if you know, you're not going to run the whole thing and you're going to do some walking, probably a good idea to start doing some walking early on. Um, yeah. because it'll just make for a better experience overall. <laughs> Otherwise, that 5'4 lady who's 25 pounds overweight is going to smoke That's you. That's right, man. She's going to come out of the nowhere. Oh, I fully expect that to happen regardless. Um, I don't know if that was helpful, but. <laughs> that was super helpful. I actually really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, cool. So let's kind of move. I'd love to move into kind of what y'all are doing now. You've run a podcast, obviously, and then race directing. And I don't care which one of those you want to touch about first, but like, do you want to talk about race directing or podcasting first? Well, I think we can just kind of talk about, I mean, our philosophy, because sure, from the beginning, I mean, we kind of started off saying, hey, do we want to do a blog? Like we've kind of moved to some different <laughs> things, right? We're still trying. Yeah, yeah we are. Oh, but, yeah. I understand. But, <laughs> but we sat down pretty early on and said, okay, what's important to us? What are our values look like? What do we want to get out of this? What do we want others to get out of this? And ultimately, and so if you listen to the podcast, we essentially say, hey, we're here to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And so the, the whole idea is whatever format that looks like right now, it's podcasts and putting on races and we're looking at how else can we expand. But if things change, I mean, I've even thought, hey, if the economy completely changes and people don't do races anymore, whatever, like, okay, so how do we continue to add value? Do we do mm -hmm. virtual challenges? Do we do this? And it's not about like, um, you know, cause we don't do, believe me, we don't do the races to make money, <laughs> but, um, you mean there isn't a ton of money in the ultra running space and people, <laughs> people can do really well. Right. But, uh, we I haven't mean, gotten there yet, but yeah, man, but I feel like people it's say embarrassing how much money it's embarrassing oh. how much money we have not made. <laughs> oh, dude. Like I feel like people see the same thing. Like when I talk to them about coaching, they're like, what my money I'm like i mean yes I, i'm charging you for coaching but also like if i really wanted to make money in the fitness space i would have sold six packs when i had a six pack this is not really like right this is, this is not the world i, I do this because i really love you people it's really fun well yeah and so i mean ultimately that's where we come from and so again right now like the main spokes of that have been the podcast which is fantastic um 
and ultimately, yeah. you know, we're just trying to foster a community. And that's our favorite part about it is that mm-hmm. uh, we get to connect with people. They're connecting with each other. And so it's really about community growth. And then the, um, the races that we're putting on are really about the same thing. It, it, was, it, it wasn't, hey, let's put on races because that sounds fun. Like, I mean, it, it does sound fun. But, but if we're going to put on races, <laughs> we're going to put on fun ones. <laughs> Correct. We're going to create experiences. But the two races that we have are both designed to, like I said, essentially trick people into <laughs> showing up to ultra running <laughs> events that wouldn't normally do that. And hopefully get some people to open their minds, run their furthest distance, start thinking, hey, why not me? Uh, get to experience that and watch it from people that show up that are, you know, doing more than them, all those types of things. So, um, you know, we can we can answer specific questions. But ultimately, I think that's the philosophy. And if that changes for us, if tomorrow that looks different, how do we engage with our community? Then, you know, it'll be something different. But that's why we're that's why we're here. I love that. And I, I think that does answer most of it. I mean... One question I have, like, I've never done anything like it. Like, why the last man standing format for one of, for one of yours? Like, I know you seem really interested in it, Jeremy. Like, why is, why that format? What, what draws you to it? <laughs> uh, so a couple of things for me. And so, yes, it is me. Jeff has zero interest, I think. <laughs> not, not when it comes to our race. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So are you talking about our race? Or are you talking about just the ones that I run? Let's go with both. There's, there's, there's yeah. two. So we Let's do start have a with race. yours and then move to the to the race you run. <laughs> and we'll talk about why I like our race. You can talk about what a last man standing. Yeah. Is. So we, we do have a race that is a last man standing, but it's not the same as the backyard, which is you know what I'm kind of drawn to. Yeah. So we have a race called the Final Countdown. It's a 1.1 mile loop, and so that's in. It's 1.3. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just got done watching Mid-State Mile, right? So I got one. <laughs> I got 1.1. It's a 1.3 mile loop. And part of the reason for that is because people can go, oh, I can do 1.3 miles. So pretty much anybody can participate. The first loop is 20 minutes, which is a 15-minute pace. So if you can run 1.3 miles at a 15-minute pace, you can participate in this race. That's awesome. And then every loop, it reduces by 20 seconds, which is 15 second pace. So loop two, you have to run at a 14.45, then a 14.30. Then, So for most people that are doing any kind of running, that's very, very doable. And we had some people show up that have never run, that did phenomenal. One guy had never, it was the first time ever running, he did like six and a half miles. Awesome. Um, so we designed it so that you can have beginners show up and get a lot out of it. And, and we're going to celebrate everybody from the first person that's out to the last person that's in. And the whole idea is just, Hey, let's push the limits, right? It's not about the winner. Of course, we're going to celebrate, you know, people to do incredible things. Um, and then I'll let you tell like your favorite part, but. Well, I mean, you, you did our race and that, that is our favorite part is because it, it does get faster. A typical last man standing could last for days. This won't last for days because it gets too fast for me. Um, but yeah. it's um, it's just really cool to see the people that have never run a 10K or a half marathon to complete that. And because of, of the way the, the format moves, it moves so quickly that every time people come back around for another lap, that those who may have already dropped out, like at the half marathon spot or the marathon spot, they're enthralled because they they know what they've experienced and they're watching these same people come back through now every, you know, at this point, maybe 15 minutes or something. Right. And so they're just coming back around and they're able to celebrate these 
the accomplishments as the people, the runners finish that lap. And so um, the pace gets faster and faster and everyone just knows at some point they're all going to break. And um, it's just a cool experience, not only for the runners, but for the yeah. spectators. And so um, our, you know, our goal for our races, including that the Hydra, which is our other race, is to just create incredible experiences and runs like runs that are not like anything else many people have ever run before. Um, and to introduce them to, to ultras as much as we can, but to kind of change the way they think about the, the weekend race that they normally have participated in the past. Well, and to that point, so I think we had 15 people, we had a, a PR bell out there. We mm. had 15 people that set, you know, their own personal distance oh, yeah. PRs. So that's fun to celebrate, but you got a guy that runs six and a half miles, first time running ever, right. Mm -hmm. That now gets to sit and watch people run ultra distances. And the guy that, that won it, he did 40 miles. So his last mile put him at 40 miles and that was down to a 7:45 pace. So here's a guy that has never run, he would <laughs> never probably show up at an ultra, right? Why would he ever go watch somebody run 40 miles? Like it just doesn't make sense, right? It's insane. But we, we create, we tried to create an event where he could show up and then watch his mind expand as he's like, how are these people doing it? But not only that, some of these people look normal, you know, like we talked about. So, yeah. Um, because maybe next time he'll try for a half marathon. Yeah. You know, That's maybe he'll, he'll go for whatever it is. It's, it's, it's when he sees that other people can do it, it's pushing him to say, I can do this. Or like Jeremy, when he got exposed to seeing people do hundred miles, it's like, I can't believe people can actually do this. Either way he walked out of there uh optimistic about what he could do yeah and that's really what it's all about yeah we celebrated really everybody. a good job of that thanks like genuinely y'all do a really good job of that it's actually one of our values it's very important to us it's not it's not like hocus pocus it's not some like little trick or whatever we're doing it's not a marketing ploy it's actually genuine we just really want the best for people yeah and i mean you can tell um you can tell I, I i listen to a, a lot of podcasts on and yours is different it's really nice it's a good thing i appreciate that thank you yeah. um, they, they should all be consistent because that's us <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. i hear that um as far as podcast any like people you really want to talk to have on there that like would speak to that same kind of end goal i mean granted you could throw out the big names but like anybody that people might not know about that you would really like to talk to to kind of spread this message you talk, uh, I'm not sure I quite understand. You asking if we have like a, yeah, do you have like a dream, a dream guest or somebody that somebody should know about that they might not know about that you haven't talked to yet that we haven't talked to. So, so we've got names, um, and kind of the way that we've, you know, pull it up. Yeah. Kind of the way we've operated to this point. And so, you know, we've been lucky enough to have a couple, you know, bigger names, the Charlie angle, Mike Wardian, um, Hillary Allen. Yes, thank you, God. I was thinking, I was trying to picture her face, and I said it earlier too, right? <laughs> um, Hillary Allen. But you know, really, when we got started with this, uh, and we're coming up on our fiftieth episode, it was Steve Epifano, and it was because we were drawn to his story and what he was using running for. And if if anybody doesn't know, he that's how we started our podcast. We did with him. He was training for his first hundred k to raise money for the family of his college buddy that had been killed while riding his bike. Um, and it kind of tugged at us. And then, you know, Jeff mentioned our values, but really our, another piece of our values is that stories, like everybody's got a story. And so I think we really pride ourselves on how do we find people that I think our audience will relate to, 
and that we can pull value from. Um, and so to answer your question, there's probably thousands, right? Like, of, uh, you know what I mean? I think yeah. we can all learn from each other and we have people that are training for, that have never run an ultra. They were training for their first 50 K, you know, all the way up to people doing, yes, we, I mean, we just had Justin Hamilton who just won mid-state and Mike Wardian who's running across the country. Like, you know, so that whole spectrum, um, but I think we all try to, or we try to approach them all with how does this story benefit our audience? Because some of it, I mean, some of it's fascinating, but we don't want just people to be entertained. We try to get to a point where they can walk away and go, wow, I learned something or I was inspired by something specific. And now I can go put this into my life. Um, so I didn't answer your question specifically, but I would just say, start listening because we'll keep putting them on, you know, yeah. there's, there's so many to learn from. Definitely. I mean, sure. I, I, there is one person that I would like to, to say, I had to get, make sure I got their um, correct last name because for some reason I always call it slightly different, but to his point, we don't have, um, obviously there's a, a vast number of, of elite runners and people that we could reach out to that we could drop names all day long. I, I mean, I could do that right now for, for kicks, um, yeah. but I think what we have learned the most about what we're doing is it's everybody has a story. Like every single person we've ever talked to has a story and has, is going through the same kind of, of learning curve. And we think that's what's resonating. It resonates with us um, and is what we're about. And so it's good to have some of the, those elite people on it because it shows you one level that you maybe not normally experience. But um, I will do a name drop in case anybody happens to listen to this that can get connected to this person because I have tried through social media, but they're not really active on it. Um, and it's Kevin Schmidt. Oh, yeah. um, you probably don't know who it is because a lot of people don't know, but it is actually the husband of Courtney DeWalter. Um, oh, okay. I really don't mind. I'd love to talk to her too, but I really want to talk to him. Um, and the reason being is because I would love to have a, a show where we talk to a pacer for somebody who has seen it all, like, and has worked in that area, because I think there's so much value in what pacers and, um, not pacer, sorry, crew, I, I misspoke yeah. there, and what crews and everything go through. And I think he could draw, provide so much insight as a crew for an elite runner who, like I said, has, has done a lot of extreme ones and has incredible perform performances. And the goal isn't really just to talk about her, but to, to learn from him and what makes a, a, an elite crew. Because as ultra runners, we know that our spouses or our friends or whatever sacrifice time, not only when we're training, but they sacrifice time when they come to our races. And we want to be able to, to kind of give them some information and, and let them know that how valued they are. And I think he could help provide that type of picture. He, he's also going to have insights. And, you know, one of the things when we talked to Chris Kosman, who, if anybody doesn't know, is the race director for Badwater 135, which you know, if you don't, if you don't know what that is, go look it up. But there's been a lot of interviews with him. And a lot of times it's talking about just the race and like, you know, kind of the toughness of the race. And, and he's such an interesting dude. And we talked to him, we're like, this guy has to have more insight into elite running than, than so many people, right? He's been front and center for like these ridiculous stories. And I think Kevin would be, because mm -hmm. one, I mean, if you're crewing Courtney, you're at the front, like you're seeing the cream of the crop, right? Mm -hmm. But you're also seeing them suffer. You're mm -hmm. seeing how they push through. You're, he's getting an inside look mm -hmm. that I would love to hear about that most of us aren't going to get, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. Those are that's some of the way you get some insight into, you know, some of the ways we think about guests as well. I love that. It's actually why I ask. Cause I mean, of course we could name drop all day long, but like, that's mm -hmm. the kind of mm -hmm. thing that I don't think most people think about. That's 
great answer, right? Like this would be a fascinating interview. Yeah. If, if you happen to lock him in before me, I'll probably kill you. <laughs> you may have to edit that out. You don't have to edit that out at all. <laughs> You can I mean, keep that as your warning. Uh, you did just give him a death threat. Right. Uh, well, that's fine. Yeah, if, if I something lock him happened before to you, you, I would yeah. actually probably hand him to y'all because you do a better job at interviewing than me. That so, is not true. That it's absolutely true. true. Like yeah. I, I talk about nerd things all day long. That's what I do. The interviewing things are new. Um one more thing. Um 100 miles robust. So I wanted to mention this before you drop off because it's so in line with your values and like when it I watched the whole thing unfold on Instagram, even though I forgot the name before we got on here. And I wanted to know, like, just tell me about it. Like, it's such a good thing to like do. I also do these like free challenges and starts and 21 day things and offer free coaching. And like, it's just to get people into it. So share. It's really cool what you're doing. <laughs> so the what is it jeremy i love the fact of how it came about though too right because <laughs> yeah so i don't be know this part like bring it yeah <laughs> and, and we haven't talked really about it, but so so for anybody that doesn't know so we started at the beginning of the year we started patreon and there is somebody in our community that essentially reached out and said hey i'm busy <laughs> i don't have time to do more things but I like what you're doing and I would like to contribute. He actually said, I don't want to join your Patreon. Too. Pretty much. Right. He said, I'm too busy, for but he said, I want to support what you're doing. And so he essentially just said, where can I send you money? Right. And we said, well, hold on, let's talk about what's going on. And so it really forced, the great thing was it really forced us to go, okay, so how would we steward this well? Mm-hmm. Right. If somebody wants to do this, we want to do something great for the community. Um, how would this happen? And so ultimately it came down to, well, what if we crewed and, and part of it was, well, I don't even go to that. What if, <laughs> what if we, what if we crewed somebody and got somebody through their, their first hundred mile, right? So we did a giveaway and it was really neat the way it happened because we kept trying to spend this guy's money and people kept saying, well, we'll just give that to you. <laughs> Um, so ultimately it came down to, we decided to do hundred miles of bus giveaway. Um, and we put stuff out there and you need, you know, you had to comment and there was an application, there's a full application. And so, mm-hmm. um, I won't go into the process, but Vagabond Endurance who previous guests of ours and they're great guys out of Charlotte, they put on a bunch of awesome races. Uh, I always say Charlotte, but it's kind of that, that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have an event in December, the Unico 100. And we said, man, we think we would love to when we talked about before, how do we partner with these guys and do something for the community? And so they offered up a free spot. So we're like, okay, great. Well, we're not spending money on that, but okay. Um, and then we said, so, and then we started saying, well, what if we paid for coaching? Yeah. Um, and my coach, Mark Bottenhorn, who was another guest of ours. Um, and you know, he's, he's pretty sought after and everything. So I reached out to him and said, Hey, would you take essentially, cause we only, we had certain, we said, we think that we could cover six months of coaching, which would take us to Unico. Would you essentially be willing to take a, a little bit of a reduced rate, you know, as part of this? And he pretty much said, look, man, I love what you're doing. Just count me in. I don't want your money. Mm-hmm. So, so then we said, okay, now, what? now how do we spend this money? Um, so ultimately what it came down to is we went through an application process and the winner got free access. They get six months of coaching with Mark. They got they. In fact, right now we're working on getting them the shoes that they want. That they, we are purchasing. Yes. They, 
We will, yeah, so that's some of the money's going to uh, new pair of shoes as well as two night hotel accommodations. Awesome. And, and so the, to me, the neat thing is that it's not something we were talking about. It challenged us to start thinking in a certain way. And it's because of the generosity of somebody out in the community that just said, how do I help? How do I be a part of it? And, you know, so it's been really, really neat, but we're right at the beginning. I mean, we just did the giveaway uh, right near June 1st or right at the end of May. And so it's going to be a fun journey. Yeah. So anybody who's listening that wants to throw us money, um, (laughs) we will actually spend it. (laughs) So um, it'd be cool, but no, we are. um, I agree. It's, it's, if something comes across like that and we're not expecting it, um, we wanted to honor the person who wanted to do something. And so, you know, his, his goal was to help somebody maybe accomplish something they never accomplished before. And so the requirement was that they had to have never done a hundred miler or have never finished a hundred miler. So um, that was awesome. the first prerequisite that the applicants could not have done that. And so um, that they could have tried though. Yeah. That's what I said. I'd not yeah. finished it before. And so they, if they had a DNF, but it was just to come alongside somebody to help them do that. Um, so it was kind of cool and we're going to crew them still. Yep. And we're going to crew them. And, and ultimately it's also about now, hopefully other people will be inspired by this person's journey. Um, Nick. Yep. Nick. And not only that, but we really want this to be a community thing, right? So hope, hopefully it spurs the interaction. There's already a bunch of people that will be seeing it. Unico and Vagabond uh, was generous enough to also throw in an entry to hundred K and a 50 K. And they did that giveaway awesome. on the back end. Um, and so if you're listening, Unico 100 in December, check it out. If you want to come hang out, we'll be there. And, and then of course we gave away 200s also. What's that? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we <laughs> couldn't, uh, only choose one winner. So we did end up out of, this was not out of, uh, our, you know, the Friends. sponsor money. This was, uh, we decided to pay the way for two other people, um, who we just love their applications and, you know, wanted them to have the opportunity uh, and then Steve Epifano stepped forward and said, guess what? I'll coach them for free as well. So, I mean, it's just the kind of the community. It's unbelievable. The people are great. I think it's the ultra and trail community in general. Um, and we've just been so lucky through the ultra running guys to, I mean, really just make a lot of friends. Right. Yeah. And it just shows the generosity and really how everybody wants everybody to succeed. That's the magic of it. And then we completely ran out of money, and that's why we had to stop giving away stuff. <laughs> so now that I, just, I mean, now we're flat broke. This is perfect. It's true. And so now that I've plugged all that, we talked about the final. Come to our race too, Please. right? So that I can help pay for everybody going to the other race. Yeah. September seventeenth, final countdown. Uh, it's going to be a freaking ridiculously good time. So, out in North Carolina. Yeah, should definitely go. It'll be good. All right. <laughs> Great story. I mean, that's why I asked. I knew I didn't know all of that. What I did know uh, just kind of speaks to this community, right? Like, especially someone who's still kind of an outsider to it, even like it's constantly delightful to me to see like Bottenhorn and Epifano are not like no name coaches, right? Yet they come out and they're just like, we're just going to coach the people. Like, let's just do the thing. And I'd, I'd love that. That's really cool. And it's just kind of a wonderful community. Yeah, it's awesome. So, one final question. Uh, you both have kids, right? Like, I have that, yeah. right? Cool. Yep, yep. Um, a few days out from Father's Day, and I know, like, I don't know if you remember, but I said, like, my dad was really important to me, my life. Yep, um, sure. What was the biggest thing y'all learned from being dads? 
Gosh, man, how long do we have? Um, I'll, I'll go first, I guess, <clears throat> as you're thinking, unless you want to go first. Yeah, go okay. Um, learned or learning, I think um, sure. it's it's a constant thing. My youngest is 16 and my oldest is 23 and I'm a grandfather. Um, and so I, I'm still learning. Um, and I think as a dad, one of the things that um, I would tell other dads or other parents, even moms as well, is that um, it's okay. To, to say that you're learning, it's okay to try to figure things out. Um, it's okay that your kids are gonna make mistakes. It's okay that you're gonna make mistakes as a parent, um, that ultimately that regardless of what they're doing and what you're doing um, yourself, you want to figure out how you're gonna love them um, and give yourself some grace and give them some grace through the process because it's not easy. And um, I, I've learned that I'm not perfect at it and my kids aren't perfect either. And that's what makes us a good family. Like that. It's a good answer, man. Um, it's funny. I was, so I flew with the Air Force today, and we randomly had three guys that jumped on that were it was kind of like an incentive flight. But one of them just had his first child, a little girl, in February. And so we started talking about parenting and what that's like because my daughter is 14, almost 15. And so we were, I was talking about parenting earlier today. Um, I think the biggest thing that I have learned is how important it is for me to hold myself to a standard. And I can tell my kids all the time that uh, I want the best for them. But if I don't try to uh, do hard things for myself, push through, set the example, um, then words don't really matter. Um, but not only that specifically, you know, for both of them, but um, just because we were talking about the conversation today, and it has nothing to do with running, right? But <laughs> relationally, we're talking about daughters and realizing specifically as a father to a daughter, the role that I play in what she will later accept from somebody that she chooses, you know, to be with and how I treat her mother and uh, probably more importantly, how I treat her mother and what the example that sets, right? She is learning that example. So um, I think really with both of them, it just really brings into light a uh, relationship with my wife, the example that that I need to set. Um, and then to your point, to be willing to, um, like, you know, say, uh, admit when I am wrong and I need to fix things and that, you know, sometimes we just mess up. Um, I think it's important that they recognize that we're still going through it too, but I don't know if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> Nothing to look for. It's just, you know, on the mind. And uh, yeah. it's always nice to like know people a little better. <laughs> so appreciate it. Thanks, guys. For yeah, sure, all, sure, man. That's kind of all I had for today. Y'all have anything else to add before we hang up or before we end this recording? <laughs> just show up. Just show up. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously for anybody listening, if you're not plugged in, we would love to have you on the ultra running podcast. We've got a website, the ultra running guys.com. feel like you're doing your clothes, your wrap up. I know. Oh, please do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we just, uh, here's the deal. We just started, we, we hate calling it a newsletter. So oh, we haven't God. decided what name to call it yet, <laughs> but, um, you know, we're Jeff. <laughs> it's Will's fault. I mean, it is Will. Um, but if you'd like to connect with us, hmm. right, you can go to the website and put in the information and we'll be sending out uh, a lot of the information about the things that we do, what, what we're interested in, podcast releases, that type of stuff. It's not spam. We won't be doing it, sending out very often. Um, but that's probably a good way that we're trying to at least connect because 
some people don't like social media. Not only that, we know that social media doesn't reach everybody. Um, and so we're trying to find just good ways to stay connected with people who want to stay connected. So come check us out. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Email us is super helpful. So I'm glad y'all are getting on it. <laughs> well, I know, super fun, right? All these things oh that you God. do. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's, well, it's worth uh, it though. It is absolutely yeah, worth it. It, it 100% is. It's still really tiring. <laughs> And on the back half of that, I will just say thank you to you, man, for having us on um, and for all the value that you added in our podcast for everybody listening. If you haven't listened, I went back and listened to it today. Like I said, dude, it was so good. You added so much value um, and and we got great feedback and it's actually one of our our highest viewed. Is Uh, it really? People are interested in nutrition (laughs) for sure. Um, So yeah, man, thank you to you for everything. Of course, man. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. Y'all are, y'all do have to do something special. And I don't say that just because you're here. Like I just wouldn't say anything if it weren't true. Um, y'all have a genuine space piece in this, like in this space that really matters. So thank you. Thank you. Very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. It means a lot. Well, um, thanks y'all for sticking around and I chat with y'all later. Thanks. And Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.